This is a Kitty Pod production. From Television City in Hollywood. Episode 116 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullet. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, updater, pussy, imitator, assassinator, baby. I demand the hour to remember the power, too sweet to be sour. And I'm coming to you once again from Bullet House in the rolling hills of Saratoga County, New York. I'm recording this on Saturday, the 23rd of January, 2021. We have a new president in the White House in charge of this great country, the United States of America. We'll get into all that and where I was when I saw the whole thing go down. We'll get into all that in just a minute. Plus, you may not have noticed, but I got some new equipment. I'll tell you what that is in just a bit. But let's get to the social media plugs before we get ourselves in a deep hole here. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at... What's it? Oh, yeah. Almost forgot a little brain fart at keep underscore podcast or the keep it to yourself Facebook page. You can also listen to this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever your podcatcher is. And like that, <laughs> I almost messed up there. If your podcatcher has rating and review capabilities, give this a five star rating and a good write up. I'll do some other podcast shout outs later on. You may have noticed that I might be sounding a little different, and that's because. With Amazon gift card money, I purchased a new microphone. It's a new air of the Kitty Pod, and I'm recording on a new microphone. It's a TKGU. That's what I think it is. I can't see from this angle. Let me see. Hopefully, I'm not too garbled. Got the little spit guard here. I think it's called TKGOU. I don't know how you verbalize that, but it's a new microphone. I got a spit guard in front of it. Hopefully I'm sounding pretty good here. If I don't monkey around with this microphone, everything will be all fine and dandy. So Amazon gift card money bought me this microphone. Hopefully I don't sound too different from when I was recording on my phone. Thank goodness those days are over. (laughs) Well, anyway, here's the vanity portion of this year episode. We really don't have a set topic. I haven't really picked one yet. Actually, we're going to talk about autism and depression in this episode. So stay tuned for that. But first, it's the vanity portion wherein you, the listener, gets to ask yourself, what has happened in the life of J. Michael Bullitt since last you spoke and you listened? And by you, I mean he. Well, it was quite an interesting couple of weeks or however long it's been. I found out on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, we did not get that day off. So our boss came out in the afternoon and said somebody who worked nearby in our department had come down with coronavirus. And when I mentioned it to my dad upon my return home from work, we had quite the roundtable discussion, me, my dad, and his companion, about whether or not I should get tested. Well, after quite the discussion, a lot of politics and a lot of uncertainty, I decided that it would be best if I got tested. 
Thankfully, we had Wednesday off. Our boss gave us the day off for the inauguration, mainly out of security concerns. This is a guy who really knows how to take care of his employees, or at least sees to their welfare, well-being, etc. So, all right, we got Wednesday off, so I'll go get tested. I went to this urgent care facility in Clifton Park, Half Moon, somewhere in the Rolling Hills. And it's pretty busy. There's high demand, as you well imagine, for these tests. There's high demand for these vaccines, too, for COVID. So I walk into the urgent care facility, keeping my distance, of course, and there's virtually nobody in. So I'm like, all right, you can't really schedule an appointment at this place. The nearest one I could go to to get an appointment would be up in Saratoga. I said, now nah, I'm keeping this close to home just in case. So I walk in. The receptionist, and you say, how can I help you? And I say, I'd like to get a COVID test. I'm like, well... We're going to take it as a walk-in. I don't have an appointment. I'm a walk-in. So, all right. Well, you're going to have to wait about two hours. So, it took till about 20 minutes till noon. I'm like, whoa. Well, I got some time. So, I just went home, chilled at the pad. Then, when the time came, I decided I was going to go. Well, here's the thing, really. I had to do the check-in online. So, I did that. Then, unbeknownst to me, around 1030, I got a voicemail saying, uh, you can come in now. Because I'd already done the intake thing over the internet like well I guess I'll get going right now I had to wait for a little bit there about a couple of people in line ahead of me socially distanced of course that was my elbow hitting the printer you can tell I'm upstairs now in the pod loft so long story short the person goes in for the test then I go up to the reception I said all right I'm here for my appointment now that I'm a walk-in I've had to wait the two hours I wasn't gonna do it at the urgent care facility hell no so what happened was I get up to the desk, the person working the counter says, all right, you know, just give your vitals, you know, you know, what's your insurance, name of your primary care physician. I had to reset the computer screen, never had that happen before. Sorry about that. Anyway, I thought I was going to lose this recording, but back to the lecture at hand here. Long story short, get me in the exam room. I didn't have to wait too much longer. They get me in the exam room. They send a nurse practitioner in to send this long, thin swab. That almost touches the, the top of my nostril. It almost goes right into my brain. Who boy was that? Hey, I tell you, I don't know how to describe it. But they got that thing up. This was my rapid test. I was going to have results no less than 15 minutes. And all this while the inauguration is going on. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. So, I'm waiting. Lady Gaga comes in, sings the national anthem. Kamala Harris gets sworn as VP. Right after I get the... The, the test there get the thing in my nose and then I got to wait around a bit more the inauguration goes on and just as my PCR test this is the one where you need several days to get your results this is where Joe Biden gets inaugurated and this is right after I get the second test where they put another swab up my nose but this time instead of going all the way up they just rubbed it around my nostrils the inside of them anyway and that was it. And sometime after Biden was done with his inauguration speech, or at least got started on it, I should say, I got triaged. So they had two nurse practitioners come in, taking my vitals, you know, my pulse rate, my, you got the pulse oximeter, little thing you put in your finger, took my blood pressure, checked my temperature. Surprisingly, a lot, surprisingly enough, you know, surprisingly enough, it was so warm. In that reception area, not actually in the building, or the exam room rather, that I wound up getting a temperature of 99.7. I was within almost a frog's hair 
of having a low-grade fever. I'm like, well, no shit. I've been uh, almost a hothouse waiting to get tested and all that. So they triaged me, took my blood pressure, temperature, pulse oximeter, that whole thing. Had to answer a little questionnaire. Then had to wait around for a little bit. Got my discharge papers, and I was out the door with a rapid COVID test that came back negative. Oh, there you go. Now I got to wait the next three or five days from that test to see how the COVID test came back on that whole deal. All this while the inauguration was going on. Well, I came back around 12.30, 1 o'clock. Biden was still talking. I listened on radio, like one of the pores. Tune in uh, our heritage station, WGY, for that shit. Then drove home, and then that was it. It was pretty quiet for the rest of Wednesday. And also I record on Saturday, so to make up for it, I work today from 8 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So that's how things have been in 2021, the early part thereof. We're going to go back in history for when the man who preceded Joe Biden unfortunately got elected. Spoilers. And a lot of bad shit that happened. I'm talking about the second most dreadful year of my life, 2016. Actually, check that in a bit of a spoiler alert. The next episode will be 117, so look back at 2017, which will have been the worst year of my life up to that point. But anyway, let's get in the Wayback Machine, shall we? You used to call me on my... You used to, you used to. Yeah. Well, you folks, we're back to recording on the old cell phone, phone again. Not much change there, I guess. However, we're into the history segment, and this week in 2016, number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, a rather great song by Drake called. Boy, did it turn out to be a shit show of a year or what? You thought 2020 was bad. Actually, never mind that. You're going to find out why in just a minute. By the way, before we get underway, the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 charts this week was a song called Sorry by Justin Bieber. And Sorry is what we were saying to the world on the morning of November 9, 2016, when Donald Trump was elected President of the United States. There was a whole lot of controversy surrounding his campaign. There was that recording with Billy Bush that was leaked and was made years ago. Or years earlier, I should say. There was the hacking and interference from Russia. And, of course, the Hillary Clinton emails. That was the bombshell of the campaign just two days before the election. As if there, ain't, as if there were no bad things else to worry about. There was an outbreak of Zika virus in South America just in time for the Rio Olympics. More on that later. The latter, that is. Brexit in the UK. Many people voted to have the United Kingdom leave the European Union. There are plenty of negotiations in the coming years. June 12th, there was a shooting at this gay nightclub called Pulse in Orlando, Florida. 49 people dead. The single worst mass shooting in U.S. history. And there was a bombing at Brussels on March 22nd. Just a good four months or so after what went down in Paris. ISIS and ISIL having himself a romp late 2015, early 2016. But was there any good news? At least our troops are out of Afghanistan. Don't go by me. 
no debuts to think about here, so this is going to be a shorter segment than usual. And you're probably saying to yourself, oh, thank heavens. Well, I've more than made up for it with the obituaries. And boy, oh boy, a lot of luminaries left us in 2016. I'm going to transition from the in the news to the obituaries. The lone animal I have here is a gorilla named Harambe. Now, the story with him was on Memorial Day weekend, May 29th of 2016. Harambe the gorilla was in his pen, you know, doing his thing. And there was rumors afoot that the gorilla had grabbed this little girl and the zoo workers went out and gunned him down. And I remember Barstool, pardon my take, they had a field day with Harambe the gorilla. They didn't get caught out in their bullshit though. Well, animals aside, a lot of people left us too. And we had some absolute luminaries go off to the afterlife. David Bowie, one of my favorite pop singers of all time, very influential. Big part of the glam rock movement in the 1970s. Alan Rickman. Mr. Potter. What a versatile actor. I remember listening to Hollywood Babylon. Kevin Smith worked with Alan Rickman. I believe it was in Dogma, if I'm not mistaken. He worked with him a good deal. He was looking forward to working with him. He got a good friendship. And when they got to Hollywood Helpers and his turn in the old bits, Kevin got all tore up. He got really sad. He was crying right in the middle of it. got emotional, the whole thing. Another guy that Kevin Smith worked with, Vilmos Zygmunt. Hope I didn't butcher the pronunciation there. Cinematographer, he passed in 2016. Oh, there were plenty. We got some more for you. Abe Vigoda. You remember him as Barney Miller? He was the, well, he's not the title character. He played this guy named Fish, and somehow he got his own spinoff. There was a website um, for many years that addressed the rumors and asked a simple question. Is Abe Vigoda dead? Well, up in 2016, he finally shuffled off this mortal coil. Glenn Fry of the Eagles, he passed in 2016. The heat is on. Former UN Secretary General Boutros, Boutros Ghali, he, he, died died this, this, year, year. Umberto Eco, I got to know him, well not personally, but I got to know his work when I was in college taking this little romance language literature course type of deal, senior year at Castleton. Shout out Delma Wood on that whole deal. Besitos. Two luminaries from the world of wrestling, China, Joni Lore, that was her government name. She was part of the Attitude Era in the WWF, now WWE, Degeneration X. And also Balls Mahoney of ECW, he also passed in 2016. Dan Haggerty, you may remember him from Grizzly Adams, or at least your parents do. George Gaines, now this is a lesser known actor, but he played a great role in 80s media. Well, moderately good. He was the head of the police academy in the police academy series, but he was also the caretaker of Punky Brewster in the television show Punky Brewster. Duh. Figures. Tracks. Joe Alasky. This is a voice actor. I remember him as the voice of Plucky Duck on Tiny Toon Adventures. And I didn't know this, but he has ties to the capital region of upstate New York. He grew up in Waterville. So he's one of our own, man. Prince, oh, I was at work, my old workplace, I was on afternoon break when I found out that Prince had passed away. And there was a big party in the early hours of Minneapolis. So you want to talk about death not being a sad affair, there it is right there. The outpouring of love and support for the man board Prince Rogers Nelson upon his departure from this earth. Gene Wilder, one of my favorite actors of all time. He was in one of my favorite movies of all time. Blazing Saddles. He was also in my brother-in-law's favorite film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. 
And good day to you, Gene Wilder. Rest in peace. Hopefully Gilda Radner served you tea on your arrival at the pearly gates once you got through. Antonin Scalia, his death left a big vacancy in the Supreme Court. And this became the flashpoint of Republican obstructionism in the U.S. Congress. So at eight justices, you need nine to fill the Supreme Court. The Obama administration decided to bring out this guy by the name of Merrick Garland. And well, that worked out pretty well for the Republicans. They didn't seat him. They just dragged it on through and got this guy named Brett Kavanaugh. And how's that been going for you? Maurice White, he died on Super Bowl weekend. The heart and soul of this band called Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's always the Wonder Dog. I don't know if you're able to hear him. Harper Lee, author of such great books as, not The Glass Menagerie, The Killing Mockingbird, that's it. I don't know my mind went there. George Kennedy, he passed in 2016. Nancy Reagan, got to be reunited with her husband Ron, former president, in the afterlife. He passed in 2000, or she I should say. Ray Tomlinson, this is the man who came up with the internet. It was this developer of the thing called ARPANET, which was mainly used for the Defense Department, and that was the spiritual predecessor of the Internet, the World Wide Web. So you have him to thank or blame. George Martin, not to be confused with George R.R. R. Martin, the author of the Lord of the Rings series. This is the man who was most famous for producing all those Beatles records from way back when. Frank Sinatra Jr., he passed in 2016. Part of a famous kidnapping case way back when. Patty Duke Aston. She had that great show, like they walk alike, they talk alike. Later became a panelist on Match Game and was one of the first actors and actresses to be open about her struggles with mental illness. Rob Ford, former mayor of Toronto. Yes, I have small cock cocaine for one of my drunken stupors. Well, the cocaine finally got him in 2016. Gary Shandling, one of the more influential comedians of our time. He passed in 2016. Johan Cruyff, if you're a soccer fan, he was the man who invented the Cruyff term. Ken Howard, brother of Ron, he passed in 2016. Merle Haggard, great country musician, the fight inside of me. Billy Paul, another songster, not of country music, but of soul. Me and Mrs. Jones. Alan Young. You may not know this, but Alan Young was the voice of Scrooge McDuck way back when, from DuckTales and also Mickey's Christmas Carol, too, but... He also had his own radio show back in the golden age of radio. You want to talk about the greats? We lost the one, the only man born Cassius Marcellus Clay, but he's known in the pop culture as a many times heavyweight champion, had those great fights. Many consider him to be the greatest boxer of all time and the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, and also an advocate for civil rights. Uh, none greater there was. He was a brash boxer, especially in his early fight career. He had the great friendship with Howard Cosell. Those two were reunited this year in the heavens, 2016. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I am the greatest. He certainly was, you know. And speaking of the greatest, the world of ice hockey saw the passing of Gordy Howe. Mr. Hockey, many consider him to be one of the greatest hockey players of all time, if not the greatest. Pat Summit, another great of sports. A legendary and successful women's basketball coach at the University of Tennessee, Nate Thurman. A great of professional basketball in the NBA. Anton Yelchin. Kind of a bizarre accident how he left this world. Got run over by his own car outside his house. From greats in sports to greats in humanity, Ellie Wiesel. An activist, Nobel Peace Prize winner, and Holocaust survivor. 
David Huddleston. This is a man who worked with Mel Brooks on a couple of occasions, most notably in the 1974 comedy classic and one of my favorite films of all time, Blazing Saddles. And they say that now, in Paris, France, even as we speak, Louis Pasteur has devised a new vaccine that will obliterate anthrax once and for all. Think of it, gentlemen. Hoof and mouth disease, a thing of the past. Never mind that shit. Here comes Mungo. He also played the title character in The Big Lebowski, you'll be glad to know. Lou Pearlman, what a POS this guy was. Not only did he infect the music scene with boy bands such as NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, but he turned out he was a fraudster as well. In 2006, according to Wikipedia, so take it for what it is, he was accused of running one of the largest and longest-running Ponzi schemes in U.S. history. Bernie Madoff, your thoughts. Leaving more than $300 million in debts. After being apprehended, he pled guilty to conspiracy, money laundering, and making false statements during a bankruptcy proceeding. Two years later, Perlman was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in prison. And that's where he met his end. Mr. Fuji. We also lost him in 2016. WWF wrestler and manager. The natural disasters, anyone? Shimon Perez, the president and later prime minister of Israel. Bobby V, another singer. He passed in 2016. Speeding right through these here. Leonard Cohen, he went to the heavens singing hallelujah. Fidel Castro, Cuban dictator, he passed in 2016. Janet Reno, attorney general when Bill Clinton was in office. Robert Vaughn, the man from UNCLE, he went to the heavens this year. Gwen Eiffel, journalist, if you watch Washington Week in Review, you've seen her, so you know what she was about. Sharon Jones, left the Daft Kings behind to head to the afterlife. Andrew Sachs, you probably don't know him, but... If you've seen the British sitcom Faulty Towers, you certainly know who he was. He played Manuel the Waiter. I'm from Barcelona. Well, he was. John Glenn, a true hero. This is a man who became the second person to head into space from the United States behind Alan Shepard and later became a U.S. Senator. And during his time in Washington, he went up in space again in the space shuttle in 1998. We lost two-thirds of one of the great rock bands of the progressive era, Greg Lake and Emerson, Keith Emerson, that is, of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Zsa Zsa Gabor, darling. Well, that was Ava's sister. Alan Thicke, we lost a fictional Jason. Jason Seaver of Growing Pains. George Michael. This is George Michael the singer, not the sportscaster. Carrie Fisher. Princess Leia from Star Wars. Daughter of Debbie Reynolds, who passed within days of each other. Actually, one day. We lost Father Mulcahy in 2016. William Christopher. And Paul Kantner of Jefferson Airplane rolled the Jefferson Starship to the heavens. Moving on to the pop culture corner now in the world of sports. Oh boy, what a year. Not so much for politics and that, but sports. Oh man. Two long-suffering fan bases, one of a team and the other of a whole city, had their respective curses lifted. We're going to start in Major League Baseball, where for the first time since 1908, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, and did so in rather dramatic fashion. Here's the old one. This is going to be a tough play. The Cubs win the World Series! Brian makes the play! It's over! And the Cubs have finally won it all! It's 7-10!
of Cleveland, Ohio got to celebrate its first professional sports championship in over half a century when the Cleveland Cavaliers, led by hometown kid LeBron James, well, hometown in a sense, he grew up in Akron nearby, the Cleveland Cavaliers won their first ever NBA championship in a thrilling seven-game series against the defending champion Golden State Warriors. Shepard trying to stay with Curry, catches, one dribble, steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spades, final seconds, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cavaliers are NBA champions! Meanwhile, in the National Football League, the 50th annual Super Bowl was played, and the Denver Broncos won their first championship since the days of John Elway, defeating the Carolina Panthers. In the National Hockey League, ooh lordy, they did it again. The Pittsburgh Penguins, their first Stanley Cup title since 2009. We also had the Olympic Games that year that took place in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. A lot of controversy surrounding the Games, the Zika virus outbreak, Michael Phelps performing in his last Olympics. I got to see the last performance sometime after we regained electricity that we had lost during a hell of a thunderstorm that day. Oh boy, it was rough. Usain Bolt dominated again in the track, but the big story from swimming happened not in the pool, but off it. Ryan Lochte got himself in a heap of trouble down there in Brazil. He was trashing a convenience store bathroom from what I recall. So long ago. It feels longer than that nowadays. Moving on to college sports, this is where the dynasty began. The Alabama Crimson Tide won the college football championship year two of the playoff. Meanwhile, Villanova, Villanova won their first NCAA men's basketball championship since the days of Raleigh Massimino back in 1985. And much like the Cavs and the Cubs, they did it in dramatic fashion. You may want to turn down your speakers for this one. They go length of the court with Archie Diakono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Call by Jim Nance and Bill Raftery. Also, I got to mention two big soccer slash football international tournaments: Euro 2016 and the Copa America Centenario. I remember digging those when I was sick of bed during that time in June 2016, as I was laid up with pneumonia. I was sick in bed, had days off work, so I got to watch football slash soccer. The Euros in the afternoon, and then in the evening time, got to watch the Copa America Centenario. That was pretty interesting. That really got me into footy. Alright, enough sports. Let's go over to the cinema. Best picture at the Oscars, the Academy Awards, if you will. This movie called Spotlight took home Best Picture. It was one of two categories in which it won. It was this movie about the child abuse scandal in the Archdiocese of Boston, Roman Catholic Church. Meanwhile, the top grossing film was much lighter fare, Disney's Finding Dory. Took home almost half a billion dollars. I remember going to see that the weekend it came out. And finally, music, the Grammys. Bruno Mars and Mick Ronson took home the award for best record for Uptown Funk. But not to be outdone, Taylor Swift, 1989, took home the honors for best album. And that will do it for 2016. And now back to the present. 
and our main topic for this episode. All right, folks, we've made it to the main topic of this episode, and that is the link between Asperger's syndrome and depression. Well, Asperger's syndrome, now known as high-functioning autism. Now, this is a website called Very Well Mind, and I am reading an article here, the link of which I will put in the teaser text so you can read it yourself and know what I'm talking about. And it said that people with AS tend to become obsessed with a topic to the point that's all they will talk about and focus on for long periods of time. Now you know why I cut this podcast short sometimes so I don't bore you to death. It all says that a person with Asperger tends to have abnormal social functioning and repetitive behaviors while having normal levels of intelligence and development of verbal skills. In other words, people with this diagnosis tend to be intelligent but struggle with social situations. Sheldon Cooper syndrome to be sure. Shout out my brother-in-law on that whole deal. Here's some signs and symptoms according to this website about AS or high functioning autism as it is now. While the symptoms of AS or high functioning autism as it's called nowadays tend to be less severe than for other autism spectrum disorders, people with it struggle to make eye contact and don't know how to react in social situations. I may have said some of this in previous episodes so if that's the case forgive me. They may miss social cues, appear awkward, I'm quoting the article now, not understand body language or expressions, and show few emotions. They might not smile when they're happy, and may not laugh at a joke. They may also speak in a monotone or sound like a robot. Does that sound like me right now? Certainly not. Those with Asperger's who become obsessed with a particular topic may talk about it at length without noticing that their conversation partner or partners have lost interest. I think I've shied away from that in recent years. For example, if you have Asperger's, you might become obsessed with sports statistics or rock collecting and want to talk about those topics at length with other people without thinking about give and take in the conversation. They'd be like, all right, well, will you just shut up about it for heaven's sake? Gee whiz. Also, people with Asperger's also tend to dislike change. Yeah, like what this pandemic has wrought. For example, you might prefer to eat the same food every day. That's an example right there. Here's some common characteristics of AS, and this is a rather a lengthy list, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'm actually going to give you a rather abridged edition of this list. Here we go. Here's some common traits of people with high-functioning autism. Lacking empathy or being unable to take the perspective of someone else. Or being unable to walk a mile in a person's shoes. Struggling to make eye contact and missing nonverbal cues. Not reacting or empathizing with other people's stories or struggles. Again, see shoes, comma, inability to walk a mile in someone's. Trouble understanding humor. Not me. Being awkward or clumsy. I've had times like that. Having trouble making or keeping friendships. I've talked about that in an episode last year. Having a fascination with letters or numbers. Needing to do routines that seem to serve no purpose. I'm quoting the article directly again. Sensitivity to bright light, loud noise, or certain textures. Been there, done that. Functioning best when you follow routines and rituals. Briefly back to that whole deal. Hyperfocusing, excuse me, maybe stuttering or temporary inabilities of speech. Hyperfocusing, losing track of time on things that interest you. I've been there before. 
and there's others too, but I'm going to leave those out in the interest of time. Now they also say causes of Asperger's. I'm not going to go on with that, but we're going to get to the crux of this article. What is the relation between AS slash high functioning autism and depression? Now for reference, according to this article, a depressive episode typically consists of the following types of symptoms over a two week period that cause an impairment in your normal daily functioning. And they are as follows. No editing here. Feeling sad or hopeless, guilty or worthless. Number two, losing interest in things that you usually like to do. Number three, noticing changes in your appetite. You wanting to stuff your face or be like, eh, I'm going to skimp on meals today. Losing weight or gaining weight without explanation. Like I went to the doctors and I was like, how did I weigh this much? Oh, pandemic, never mind. <laughs> Number five, feeling like you can't concentrate or focus on anything. Number six, having low energy or fatigue. I've had times where I felt like that. And number seven, sleep disturbance. That means either getting too much sleep or too little sleep. And according to the article, it says, while it's known that Asperger's and depression tend to co-occur, that means you can have one and the other, they're hand in glove, it can be hard to diagnose depression in someone with Asperger's because of an overlap of symptoms. For example, a person with AS, or high-functioning autism, they still refer to it as Asperger's, I can call it whatever you want, still the same thing. A person with HFA may have flat effect, meaning that they appear to be sad or down. However, I hope you didn't hear that. However, this affective state may not match what they feel on the inside. Rather, they might actually feel normal or like nothing is wrong. The issue is that their outward state doesn't match what they feel on the inside. And also, a person with AS or HFA, I don't read what the article is, I should just call it HFA from here on out. A person with HFA, high-functioning autism, might naturally withdraw from social situations because they are made difficult due to symptoms of autism. This is different from someone who withdraws due to feeling depressed. So it's the same thing on the surface, but when you get right down to it, we have different reasons. Somebody who feels depressed will withdraw for that reason as opposed to somebody who withdraws because of autism or symptoms thereof. Now they listed primary depression which is what refers to depression that develops independent of another diagnosis. So what are you on about? Well this means that a person with HFA becomes depressed not due to life stress related to autism symptoms but rather because of direct factors that cause depression. On the other hand, there's something called secondary depression, which is what happens, it can also develop secondary to HFA. In this case, life experiences such as sensory overload or social rejection contribute to the development of depressive symptoms. I felt that in one form or another during my life. I can certainly testify to that. Now they list some treatment here for overlapping HFA and depression. And according to the article, which I've said about a few times now, there has not been much investigation into methods of treating depression among those with HFA specifically. So, top of mind, we generally consider treatments individually for each condition. And they list some opulent social skills training, which involves modeling appropriate behavior. And it's involved and it's used to learn how to adapt to social situations among those struggling due to HFA. There's speech language therapy. 
and that's used to help people with HFA practice modulating their voice instead of using a monotone. No, we, you know, we don't talk like this, you know. As well as how to use hand gestures and make eye contact. Now that you see, this is an audio medium. There's also CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. That's a rather a big sticking point in the autism community. It may be used to manage emotions, outbursts, meltdowns, and repetitive behaviors among those with HFA. And it can also be helpful to manage negative thought patterns that are part and parcel of being diagnosed with depression. There's also ABA, which is another big sticking point in the autism community from what I've read over the years. Applied behavior analysis is generally used to reinforce positive behaviors among those with autism, particularly among children who have more severe symptoms. They're, they're on the spectrum, but they're on the far end of it. There's also medication. There's no medication, so you don't, you're not going to be getting meds like here. Doctor will just write out a script. You go to the pharmacy. Here you go. Bing, bang, boom. But you might have to take depression meds. That's it and that's all. There's also occupational and physical therapy. I've had that done to me when I was a kid. And of course, a word about coping with AS and depression or HFA and depression. If you're struggling with both these things, the best course of action is to receive treatment from a professional. However, if you're wanting to manage symptoms of depression on your own as well, doing things such as eating healthy food, getting regular exercise, and practicing mindfulness can help. These types of coping strategies can also be implemented during therapy to ensure that you're ultimately supported. And there ends the quote and there ends the article in my estimation. I've had experiences in my life where I've eaten my feelings, especially when I was 12 years old. I've worked hard to lose the weight, especially when I got into later life, you know, doing some walking, watching what I eat, portion control. I'm at the age of my life. I'm nearing 40. I got to start giving a shit if I haven't done so already about what I'm putting on my body on the regular, or in my body, I should say. And I felt depressive symptoms where I've been rejected, especially when I was in college, and I was trying to, you know, get a relationship going with some of the female students, especially those to whom I took quite a liking. And oftentimes they would be like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I have a boyfriend. They mention it straight out, or... Like they tell you straight out or you're in conversation and they just let it drop in that moment. More often than not, I've picked myself up and got myself back in the race as it were. And I think now that we have the internet and all these resources are available, I get some pointers. Not going to do the job for me, but I've got some pointers, helpful hints and timely tips on how to manage things. And of course, there's people I can talk to. I've got family. I've got dear friends. You know who you are. Frank Sakari. And like that, that can help me out in the journey. So there you have it. Autism Depression Part 2. I put it out to several Facebook groups. And I will let you know how things go in that regard next week. Well, that's the show. But before we leave, I get some pod shout outs on the way out. Greetings from Allentown. Peter Winson. He looked at an episode of WWWF. This is the World Wide Wrestling Federation. It would become WWF a few years later. World Wrestling Federation, now WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. This was an episode of Championship Wrestling from December 2nd, 1978. This episode is where Tony Gurria and Larry Zabisco won the Tag Team Championship. And staying on wrestling, Steve Bennett and Dave Rollins 
on the 24-inch podcast examined Hulk Hogan's performance in the 1991 Royal Rumble. Well, actually, they took the 1,000-yard view but paid particular attention to the Hulkster's performance in that event. And the parent podcast for Steve Bennett, the Sportscasters, he had a star-studded start to his 11th season and his 10th anniversary. Bringing on Jeff Passan of ESPN. He's their baseball correspondent, ex of Yahoo Sports. Second of all, he brought on Greg Wyshynski, also of ESPN, their NHL correspondent and ex of Yahoo Sports Puck Daddy blog, and his former co-host Don Russ to regale us with some stories of the early days of the podcast. I thought that was kind of a fake name. I was thinking of Don Russ baseball cards. But anyway, congrats to Steve Bennett out there in Buffalo, New York for season 11 of the Sportscasters. Great podcast. Everybody should check it out. And speaking of podcasts you should check out, it's the Break It Down Show. Pete A. Turner and John Leon Guerrero had another great week of guests, most notably Dan McLaughlin, talking about this year's class of inductees or potential inductees in the Baseball Hall of Fame down here in Cooperstown. And speaking of sports, you'll be glad to know that I had completely forgotten any sports talk. I record this too late to get in any picks for the NFL Conference Championships, but there is this American football game of great importance going on this weekend, or next, I should say, and I'll say no more of it till next week. So that's all you're going to get here. I apologize for not having any sports, but if you didn't, don't care about it, well, rejoice, but dread next week, though. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but we're going to get out of this cul-de-sac right now and say thank you for listening to this episode of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the 116th in the series. Thanks for taking the ride with me. Never take the audience for granted. Never have, never will. I'll talk to you next week. And until then, and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Especially now. Keep smiling. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.